Today on CityCast Denver, we haven't finished paying off the last two big bonds, but now Mayor Michael Hancock wants Denver voters to approve a new one. Me and Bree and Peyton and Alexandra are breaking down all the projects the bond would pay for, plus one I think we should add to the list. Today's Friday, July 30th, 2021. I'm Paul Caroli, and this is CityCast Denver. Well, um, it's Friday, so we're looking back at the news of the week. I'm sitting here with CityCast producer Xander McMahon. Hey. Our newsletter writer, Peyton Garcia. Hi. And after her long absence, our regular host, Bree Davies. Hi, Paul. How great is this? We're all back in person for the first time since... We ate burgers together. Yeah, since that big day with all the burgers. Oh, That's great. It's so good to see you, Bree. It's good to see you guys. Um, have any of you all been back to Shake Shack, In-N-Out, or Five Guys since? Yes. I was a, I was converted to a Shake Shack lover. Mm. I like order burgers from them all the time now. Really? Yeah, because of that day. I love it. I, I haven't been back to Shake Shack, but I desperately want to. Like, I'm thinking about it all the time. I'm just not <laughs> close enough to, to go there regularly. I'm still a good times guy. Mm. Mm. I go there probably once a week, which is not great but Hell yeah <laughs> their bacon cheeseburgers are delicious it's the tops it's the tops for sure um so i actually don't know how to get into this but I, we really do have to talk about the bond it's it's been the huge news of the week the mayor's been talking about this for months and now this week we got the first real details about what the mayor is proposing uh so i think maybe we should start by going through a little bit of the backstory and then we'll get into the details. Peyton, I think you've been probably keeping up with the backstory closest. So so Mayor Michael Hancock, he first brought up this bond package, $400 million back in April. Um, and much to the surprise of a lot of people. And he didn't say much about it, just that it was part of his plan for economic recovery. Um, and I feel like people were pretty unsure about it when he mentioned it back then back before we even knew what was in it um well, yeah i mean we had one four years ago that's that, something that probably a lot of listeners will remember like the conversation around the bond in 2017 was we're maxing out our credit cards mm -hmm. like that was the whole narrative and it was close to a billion dollars at that time and we passed that so we are still in the process of that bond but like what where does this money come from i could give a definition mm -hmm. of what a bond is i think everybody wants to know what a bond is and nobody as an adult is comfortable saying <laughs> what is a bond but i think everybody wants to know um i pulled this from uh councilperson candy say the newsletter where she said bonds are essentially equity loans we pay back with interest to wall street banks and we pay them back with our property taxes so it's like borrowing money against our future selves Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. It's like mm -hmm. our f future money we'll make in the future. Well, and so the big news this week was we finally get to find out what's in the bond, what's the mayor's plan, because he announced this in the state of the city. And the big thing that came out of it was this new, like, mid-size arena that he wants to build at the National Western Center. And he kind of, like, slipped that into his state of the city. He, like, very briefly mentioned it. Everyone was like, what? Excuse and it's me? A huge, Can you elaborate? 
So also we should explain with bonds, there's always a list created of what that money is going to go to. So it's not just like we borrow $450 million and we figure out what to do with it. It has to be allocated before we vote on it. Because when you vote on a bond, you're going to vote on each individual issue. So last bond, I voted against a rec center in Westwood, which is in my neighborhood. And the only reason I voted against it was I was worried if we got something that nice that it would just become an attraction for real estate investors to use as a flag to say, come buy, buy out this neighborhood, and then the neighborhood itself wouldn't get to utilize the rec center. So things like rec centers are in it, infrastructure projects. Um, and, and like, um, Alexander, like you're saying, this one, <laughs> the mayor decided to slip in a $160 million project to build a new arena, which is part of the National Western um, project, which We've already started funding with the last bond. But what's interesting is that uh, the city did this outreach process where citizens could weigh in and say, this is what we want to spend the money on if we were going to spend it. The number one thing was housing security. So, but only 9% of Hancock's proposal would go to housing. Yes, that's what bothers me the most about this is when you look at the breakdown of like they have four categories, like big categories of where this money is going towards. So Denver facilities, parks and recreation, transportation and housing and sheltering and housing and sheltering is the smallest piece of the pie. But then Hancock in his state of the city made that like, you know, we need to deal with the housing crisis. Like that's his number one priority. That's what he says. And it doesn't seem like he's actually putting the money where his mouth is. Not at all. And most of that money is going to expanding the shelter system, which has been shown over and over again to not be effective in solving homelessness. It's part of a bigger piece of a bigger puzzle, but we're not building more housing. And that's the argument you're going to hear, too, is bonds can't pay for things like housing. Like Mm. you can't build housing with bond money, but there would be ways for why? I don't I don't know exactly. I just have mm-hmm. heard that as an argument against like, well, we have to put it towards other things like public projects. Um, so I think that's an argument you're going to see. But uh, this is the city. They asked the city, what do you want? We said housing and we got a mid-sized venue. An arena. <laughs> For the National Western Center. I think we should also maybe talk about that element of this because when, mm-hmm. when I heard that, I, I couldn't help but think of our guests on the show a few weeks ago. Nola Miguel and Alfonso Espino from the Global Illyria Swansea Coalition. You know, these are neighbors who have been fighting for their neighborhood, for fighting for a, a piece of that big infrastructure project for a long time. And I was thinking, like, they're not going to see any of this. They're not going to see any benefit from a big arena. Like, I, I can't imagine the neighborhood will. This is, yeah, the opposite of kind of what they were asking the city for when we talked yeah. to them. Well, think about your neighborhoods where you guys live. Would a mid-sized arena, like, just dropped in the middle of it, be like, oh, yes, that's exactly what we needed. But that's how Global Laria Swansea has been treated for so long by the city. And also, the last bond, a huge chunk of that paid, went towards the National Western. Why are we putting more, I call this the shiny bobble problem, where Denver wants to throw millions of dollars at these giant, grandiose, ridiculous projects, while you literally turn, like, just turn your head and then you see oh wait the actual problem is housing and mm-hmm. we're doing nothing about that yeah it's like look at this shiny thing look, over, look here. over there look yeah. over here yeah yeah exactly i uh i was expecting the conversation to take this tone <laughs> and i have to say i, I don't want to be too much of a contrarian but is the problem that the bobble is not shiny enough is it that the mid-size arena is not interesting enough to us like it's mostly for people who attend the stock show every year or attend the kind of events that are held at the national western center like that just doesn't appeal to me what would appeal to me 
would be a brand new state of the art publicly owned roller coaster. Oh my God, what? <laughs> Elitches is moving out of the city in a few years. We're not going to have a roller coaster inside Denver city limits. I looked this up. These things only cost like $25, $30 million for state of the art world class roller coasters. <laughs> So Think about it for Mary a second. Mary Hancock, are you taking notes? Paul suggests... That sounds like something Denver would do. Honestly, yes, yeah. it and does. it would rule. Can you imagine him talking about it? Like, we're the only city in the world with a public roller coaster. The people's coaster. The again, tourism potential. Again, imagine if that was your neighbor. How a roller would you, coaster? Yeah, how would you feel about that? No, nah, we're not putting it in my neighborhood. We're exactly, it in. yeah. <laughs> we're going to just throw it in Globeville, hilarious ones. Yeah. I was thinking Civic Center Park. Oh, yeah, okay. Needs a refresh. <laughs> yeah. Big old coaster. That'll be available for 200 days a year. Oh, right, of course. Half. Yeah, the winter. <laughs> Think about all the jobs it would create for, you know, teens to run it and upkeep it. And So this is actually like an idea from 100 years ago. Because okay. there was an amusement park on the banks of the Cherry Creek where Alamo Placida Park is. Huh. So you're not that far off. But then, Thank in you. typical NIMBY fashion of the turn of the last century, uh, the neighbors got it shut down because they built all around it and they didn't want an amusement park as their neighbor. So mm. it's mm. the same problems just 100 years ago. Mm. All right. Well, okay. Back to the news, though. <laughs> I, we should mention that uh, City Council looked at this on Tuesday night, the like bond package. And there was some pushback from council members, specifically councilperson Candy Sedabaka, who mentioned people in her district, which is Globeville, Larry Swansea, part of it, and how the residents there were, this was not gonna fly for them. But I also wanna say that uh, councilperson uh, Stacy Gilmore mm -hmm. also pushed back mm -hmm. on it because um, a lobbying firm, CRL Associates, which you can hear me go off on on Twitter if you'd like to know more about how terrible I think CRL Associates is, um, put out a flyer pushing, saying, don't you want this mid-sized venue? Your council people don't. And council hasn't even voted on it yet. So council hasn't even been given a chance to examine it before they're being picked on. Um, so uh, I guess this is my weekly shout out to give city council a break. Mm. Mm -hmm. They have mm. a tough job. Peyton, do we know what the next steps for the bond are? Um, yeah, so it's going next to another committee on city council, um, I believe the budget committee, and then it will hit Mayor Hancock's desk. And then after that, it'll face two votes from the full city council before, if approved, landing in front of the voters on the November ballot. Just one last image. Oh. Big old loop-de-loop -loop over the Golden Dome of the Capitol. Oh, my God. <laughs> over you're, the Capitol. You're, you're going up. It's kunk You're slowly rising up the first big hill, and you're looking through the window. Oh, it's Governor Polis, and he's waving to you <laughs> on the roller coaster. Oh, you're about to have a thrill ride, and it's also civic engagement. How great. And I like the I like the argument that we need to have an amusement park of some kind still mm -hmm. in the city limits proper. And why not a publicly owned one? <laughs> Better than the alternative. True. I have a question. <clears throat> um, can I drink my coffee, or is this is that too loud? <laughs> well, try it out. Let's see. If I just like scoot away from the mic, I'm gonna leave all this in. 
Is that <laughs> is that loud? <laughs> no, I think it's fine. Okay. Just want to make sure before I ruin all of this. We can give a disclaimer. Peyton will be drinking coffee into the mic occasionally. <laughs> Actually, chai tea. I'm not that into coffee. Oh. Well, oh. listeners, if you want to follow along as the bond proceeds through our city government, um, Peyton's going to have uh, more updates on that in the newsletter mm-hmm. ongoing. And we'll probably be talking about it on the show more as well. And we'll have links to subscribe to that newsletter in our show notes. But right now, it's time for a new segment. We're trying something new, listeners. Uh, It's something we're calling New Denver, Old Denver. Because daily news moves so fast. So this is going to be our excuse to check in on the, you know, the slow-moving state of constant change that we all think about all the time. I mean, that's part of what Denver is, is this constant state of flux. So... With New Denver, Old Denver, we're going to take turns just shouting out stuff we saw in the week that reminds us of the way Denver used to be or uh, the way it's changing now. Peyton, you want to start us off? Do you have something? Um, Yeah, so I'm just thinking about the proposal that uh, Councilmember Kendra Black is crafting at the moment to set the bar higher for historic preservation. And that's not like specifically... Um, anything that's old Denver or new Denver, but it's, I think, very much a part of that conversation and how much how much we want to keep Denver as Denver. I mean, really, it kind of comes down to how do you define old Denver and how do you define new Denver? And I feel like it's a very divisive topic sure. um, mm. because people are applying for landmark status, not because they actually appreciate the building or really think it brings um, anything to the area but because they don't want to see things get developed there so it's, it's more like using they, it as a tool to yeah stop like a loophole <clears throat> to block development and um they they cited the whole situation with the denver 7 building recently as an example of that because the owners of the denver 7 building they were anti-landmark status but we had residents come forward who wanted to apply for that um and whether that's because they really appreciated the architectural merit that the building brought or they just didn't want another apartment complex is kind of the issue. It's interesting to me because um, it, it is true. Anybody can apply for landmark. So anytime a building is uh, has applied for demolition, um, there is a study done to see if it fits the criteria for historic status. Um, and there's several criteria, but one of them is eight. Like the building just has to be old enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but in order for, so then a, a sign is posted that says you have 30 days to apply. F- anybody can apply for this status if you want, but you have to pay money to do it. It's several hundred dollars. And I that was put, that. yeah. And that was put in place a couple years ago when a gentleman was going around landmark this landmark that <laughs> uh, I think in particular, he was trying to landmark the Gates rubber company, which was this huge, um, facility on South Broadway. Um, and so this was put into place to say, you've got to have some skin in the game. Even if you don't own this building, you need to have something monetary to say, this is why I'm putting this forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, it's interesting to me that Kendra Black would bring this up because her district in particular is sort of the southeast suburbs of Denver. It's like the area where I grew up, kind of. And there's not a ton of architecturally significant stuff over there so i don't know i'm curious what her motive is um Hmm. if this is something that her her community has brought to her i don't know 
Um, it's really interesting. I also just think it's been um, kind of just a topic that's been catching my attention in the news uh, because we have the city or the urban city designer now that Denver's trying to hire, um, which, you know, makes us a big grown up city now because we're just like Chicago and L.A. with that. Um, and the whole idea is to advance Denver as a city without losing what makes Denver Denver um and so that's their whole that's their whole thing and then with the La Alma vote happening and making La Alma the next um historic cultural district it's just it's just been a lot of that I feel like the whole conversation of old Denver new Denver has been really just prevalent in the news this week yeah for sure for sure Alexandra how about you do you have an old Denver new Denver for us a lot of Cass Bonita news this week. That's kind of old Denver. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think something happened, right? I don't know. I, it's, I don't know why journalism Twitter freaked out on Wednesday. No, we all know why. It's because, so Matt Parker and Trey Stone, the creators Trey, of South... Trey Parker and Trey yes, you had it right the first time. I have, I've made that mistake a ton of Matt times. Stone and Trey Parker, the creators of South Park, announced that they want to buy Casa Bonita, which is you know, in, in financial turmoil. It filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy earlier this year and it seems like it's set to open soon, reopen soon, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, they uh, the Hollywood Reporter got to break this story, which can I just say I was peeved about that? I'm yes. like, too. Me mm -hmm. too. Excuse yes. me? Hello? Like, why don't the South Park guys give up, throw us a bone? All right, this or is just like a, a Denver. I was I was disappointed to see that it was not like a local outlet that got to yes, break that story. Same. It should have been a local outlet. But anyways, it's fine. And you know, I our our door is open to the South Park guys. I know we've sent emails. This is me shooting our shot on the podcast now. Mm -hmm. Please come on the show. Tell us what you want to do with Casa Bonita. But what did what did all of you see about this story? I do have what might be an unpopular opinion, but I was talking about it last night with my fiance and he was like, yeah, they're going to put all this money toward Casa Bonita and make it so great and awesome. And their number one thing that they want to do is fix the food and um, they're going to put a bunch of South Park stuff in there and they're just going to clean it up. And that's that's what they alluded to in the Hollywood Reporter story. But then all of a sudden I had this really weird feeling where I was like, but... I don't want to lose the Casa Bonita that we know. Like, mm -hmm. it smells gross. <laughs> the water seems not safe. <laughs> the food is terrible. And part of me doesn't want to lose that. Like, I know I should be a proponent, especially as, like, a foodie for better food at Casa Bonita, but there's just something about it that I really love, like the grimy... Well, we don't go there for the food. I mean, right, that's the, the thing. Like, the grimy... Like, I have all these, like, grimy childhood memories of being <laughs> at Casa Bonita, and I mean, I was, like, a go-there-twice-a-year kind of person. Um, and part of me is a little bit scared that with all of these renovations, we're going to lose some of the stuff that Casa, Casa Bonita is the way it is because they've never Updated changed it. Yeah. a single right. thing. Well, and, and part Trey of me Parker, is afraid of that. Trey Parker said he wants to make Black Bart's Cave bigger. I I'm know. Like, don't touch it. No. Don't I know. Just that's, leave it see, there. that's my fear is that while and like, they are how trying would you to do, do that? Good, <laughs> structurally, <laughs> how would you yeah. do that? I'm like, I don't want it to be something big and shiny. I want it to be... To be fair, they could expand it into the arcade, which has been looking real sad lately. Like mm -hmm. half the skee ball games okay. work. For arcade, yeah, you have. It's our, real my dank approval. up there. The lights are not working all the time. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I really do wish I knew more about their plans for it, because yeah. like Casa Bonita used to be a big chain, 
Like they could franchise again. They could like really turn this into something. I see it as an experiential, one of those experiential things. Like you come and experience South Park at Casa Bonita, which is like, it's Peyton, I'm with you, but I also see this need for it to evolve in some way. And they've never fully embraced the South Park thing. They have, but not really. I mean, there's like a little Cartman up in the corner, mm-hmm. I think, like and above the oh, yeah. waterfall. You know what I mean? But if they really embrace that, it would, I think the revenue stream could be broadened quite a bit beyond all of us going there once a year for our birthdays or your school field trip or whatever. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, it's definitely necessary. I was I was surprised to find that I was nervous to lose some of yeah. What it's makes Caspanita Caspanita. It's hard, but it might end up being cooler than I just think. hope that they yeah, I just hope that they're very careful. I hope they know the power that they wield. Yes. And I hope they are careful with it. With great power comes great responsibility. And I just this is my plea that they they do stay true to yeah. its kitschiness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. Bree, how about you? Old Denver, new Denver? What's on your mind this week? Oh, man. I'm going to sound like my old curmudgeon self here for a minute, which I'm kicking myself because I'm trying not to be this guy all the time. But um, I'm in an area that some people call Rhino. Uh, I don't. Um, And I walked by this thing today called the Art Can, um, which is a shipping container that contains artists and art. Um, Oh, yeah. I've seen this place. It, one, it feels extremely voyeuristic and weird. Uh, two, it's offensive to me in a community where space used to be never ending for people, particularly artists over here, where you could rent a building for $1,000 a month and have a full space. But now we're put in a container in the middle of the street where you can go and watch us work. Yeah. Um, and it feels... It's like a zoo. Yeah, it feels super gross to me. Um, That's also, the word I was going to use too. Is it feels <laughs> it feels gross. <laughs> and I want to say this too because I always want to emphasize this. This is never a criticism of an artist that has utilized this space. Artists do what they can, where they can, when they can. Um, and it used to be much easier to be an artist here in Denver, um, affordability-wise. So if this is an opportunity you've been able to utilize, great. Um, but it's just offensive to me that a bourgeoisie hotel next door to it was like, hey, we bought this building and we turned it into this really expensive hotel. Don't worry, artists. We have a can for you. <laughs> come be in this can and then all the people that come and stay at our hotel can watch you in your can. Oh, God. It's just... Yeah, when you put it like that. It's just really gross. I, I wonder who it appeals to. I wonder who walks by and says, like, oh, cool art. Cool art's happening here. It's I don't like know. Kind of they have, weird. like, open hours where you can meet the artists and whatnot. And, and again, this feels very sideshow-y to and me. And so the hotel, this was definitely created by the hotel? Yes. So the founder of the Ramble Hotel said, I'm hoping this quirky little gallery provide." proves to be a sustainable model for exhibiting artists while also bringing some fresh cultural energy to 25th and Larimer. Mm. Uh, we had that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then you got... I don't know what that means. Then you got rid of it. And now you're reproducing it. So... Oh, sustainable? I Buzzword, buzzword, buzzword. Mm-hmm. So like thumbs- what part of this is a... Like, I don't understand. I just... Yeah, I don't get that. <laughs> so I'm going to rag on New Denver. and But I promise each week I will not do that every time. Appreciate that. We believe in you, (laughs) Brie. Well, that was Old Denver, New Denver. Listeners, let us know what you think. We're always eager for your feedback. And that's all for the show today. Thanks so much for listening. 
Our producers this week were me, Paul Caroli, Alexander McMahon. Hey. And Lizzie Goldsmith. Hi. Our regular host, Bree Davies, is back. I'm back. And our newsletter is written by Peyton Garcia. Hello. Our music is by Los Mocochetes with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren, plus more from the Epidemic Sound Library. Um, Los Mocochetes is also playing a live show tonight at the High Dive. So if you want to see them live and hear these tunes that you've been hearing on the pod, go check them out tonight. If you haven't already, subscribe to CityCast Denver wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at CityCast Denver and tell a friend about us next time you see them. No, we need a sign-off. Does someone have a sign-off? What kind of sign-off? A um, signature sign-off. <laughs> have a great weekend. That's CityCast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do 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 do